Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Stream of Thought. Here we are at it again. We kick things off with a little story about my adventure to the library and the trouble I was having with my Bluetooth connectivity, the headphones to the computer. And then we also talk a little bit about something I experienced this morning in a chat room that I'm involved in. And then that transitions a little bit into a special occasion for myself. It is my seven-year anniversary in Gamblers Anonymous. So we talk a little bit about gambling and a really fun movie that if you haven't seen already, you probably should. So with that being said, this new episode of Stream of Thought, as always, we hope you enjoy. Okay, so... Before I tell you the thing that happened this morning that I thought was comical, I'll tell you what happened to me last night, which this is just really quick. I don't expect this to go anywhere, but I'm getting all excited because I took a nap yesterday. I was just really tired. I woke up in the afternoon. I was like, okay, perfect. Um, I'm going to go to the library and I walk outside and this is like 4, 4.30. I'm like, oh, this is weird. Like there's no traffic out. It was just very odd. Get to the library. That's that's one notice, huge uh, one thing that's super noticeable out here in LA. I walk outside. I'm like, hmm. There's no traffic. I wonder what must be going on right now. Anyway, I get to the library. Super excited, and it's a library that I've never been to before. I can't believe I haven't been here. It's like freaking awesome. It's the library of libraries that I've been to here in LA. I like it more than the one in West Hollywood and Beverly Hills. And um, anyway, I get there. Plenty of seating. The inside is immaculate. Love it. Plenty of seating, different areas, different vibes. And I like it because I sit down in a little space where, like, it's one of those cubbies, rows of cubbies, the same type where they have the computers, except they just don't have computers, so it feels like a desk. So I like the feeling. And so I sit there, and I'm all ready to do stuff on my computer, and watch videos, and what do I leave at home? My headphones that plug into my computer. Because I never use this Apple computer anymore except for just recording podcasts. And uh, for a while, I had, like, issues with the AirBuds, so I would just always default to using the headphones with the laptop, the Apple laptop, but as well with the PC that I have, because it's PC. I don't expect it to be, like, compatible with my Apple headphones, right? Like, that's just, like, my thought process, even though it, they are compatible. But here's the kicker, is that um, I try to pair my JBL headphones, which I've spoken about before, the inferiority that those are, and I'm trying to connect, it can't connect, I'm trying to connect, it can't connect, and then it's like, type in a PIN number, I'm like, what the fuck is this PIN number? Oh, okay, so there's a default setting where you type in, like, either four zeros, four ones, or one, two, three, four, wow, that's inconvenient, and now it's saying, like, oh, some JBL, some uh, JBL AirPods, you know, you can... I, I think, uh, connect wirelessly. Others need to connect them, or speakers in general, or something like that. And then I'm, like, looking. It's like, oh, it's got to be connected. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, another thing that just makes both of these products extremely inferior. Like, I, oh, my goodness. Just, I cannot get over how 
Apple is the best. And my personal opinion in the matter, it's only competition in the foreseeable future would be Tesla. <laughs> yeah, and Tesla getting the... And I'm just like, <laughs> fucking A. Like, not only did I forget the headphones, but I'm like having to deal with this freaking how to pair this JBL to my HP laptop bullshit. Whereas if I just had wireless headphones with Apple, it's like bada bing, bada boom. Yeah. Done. I had to get that off my no, chest. No, and you can probably tell for the first time, my sister ended up getting me a pair of those. Uh, they're not. They're not Apple. They're not the Apple ear pods or whatever, but they're very similar. And they've got the little charging case or whatever that you put them in. This is the first time I'm trying to use it, so I have no idea how how good my quality is coming across right now. But um, it's one of those things. I'm thinking to myself, testing it out for the first time. I don't see how I'm not going to lose one of these at some point. Like, it's just it's just inevitably going to happen. There is no way. I am so bad with keeping track of, like, small little things. I'm like, these are great. And so far, I mean, they're staying in my ear, which is good. That was the main thing that I was worried about, is that they just, like, pop out of my ear like some of the other headphones do. And, uh, yeah, just small, small items, um, especially electronic items, tend to get lost pretty quickly. So... But I feel your pain, man. And I don't know if you have this instance where, for me, my wireless headphones are connected to three different devices or whatever. And so it's always kind of random when I turn on my Bluetooth, which one of my devices, because I've got this laptop, I've got my Chromebook, and I've got my phone. And it's going to hook up to one of them, but I never know which one. It's kind of like a Russian roulette as to which one connects first. So I'm always I'm always having yeah. to like turn on and off my Bluetooth on my actual devices themselves just to make sure that it gets the right one. But yeah, man, I understand the frustration, especially when it's it's like you got to go through like a seven step process just to I know. get it. And then again, in. I was like trying to take off my sweatshirt, and I was like, oh, maybe because I'm more conscious of the headphones, the wireless JBL headphones that I have that, like, they kind of stick out, you know, maybe I can, it's like, nope, the AirPods, the Apple AirPods were perfect. They just stay in my ear the whole time, take off a shirt or sweatshirt, put one back on, they stay in place. The JBL, no, they will always, they will always fall out. (laughs) They will always fall out. And it's so, so annoying. And what's so great, too, is with the Apple, when you take it out, it will pause the music, right? Like with the JBL, I take them out and like they you could they still play music. You actually have to touch the button to pause, right? Where the Apple ones you just take one out or both, and it'll just hang up the call or pause the music or whatever. It's just do, it's just do you yes. do you roller skate with those in like the the Apple yes, earpods? Yes. And they've never fallen out. Nope. Wow. And then I lost them, and then I tr- and then I tried doing wire right, so I'd have to have my phone with me, and it was just. It sucked. I did it for like a month, and it was terrible. And so then I just bought the JBL speakers, and I'm like, well, now enough has happened in this experience where I'm like, now I just feel like I wasted $50. <laughs> I would have ra- – if I knew this, I would have just forked over, you know, three times the amount for the fucking Apple AirPods. Dude, yeah, I know. You live and you learn. It's it's the experiences Whatever. that make us, my friend. Whatever. Here's another experience for you, unless you had something. No, had go for else. it, man. I uh, <laughs> so this mo- <laughs> this morning, I'm trading right, and I explained to you how my setup is. How there's a live stream, there's a chat room, there's scanners. I you know, and uh, some people in the chat room are 
I'm like semi vocal with stuff, not really, but some people are always posting stuff and in the chat, what, like you're you're yeah, interacting yeah, in the chat with what, other people. Yeah, I mean, I just see it, and I, I just see the posts as they come up, and sometimes I'll type something. Do people respond right? to you? Sometimes, oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's just an open chat of everyone that's a how, member of. How many like, people would you say? Community. Sorry, I'm just trying to get like. I, it doesn't tell okay. me. It doesn't tell me, but I know it's in. I. It doesn't tell me, but I know that it is uh, in the thousands. Oh gosh. Okay. Or at least like a thousand. I, I have no idea, but anyway, that's besides the. I mean, it's it's inter- it's interesting point. background information. But yes, what the to, okay. back to the story. So anyway, sometimes people post a position they're about to get into, or that they are in, or that they were in, and what they what they gained or lost, and why they took the trade or whatnot. And the people in the and we how do I say this? Uh, and there's also uh, people that are like verified profitable that have a badge that so you know that they've been verified by the platform by the community that they have haven't in fact made you know twenty five fifty a hundred two fifty five hundred a million dollars right anyway there was a little bit of drama in the chat room <laughs> and I, I just. I'm I'm watching this. I'm like, oh my gosh, what is going on here? And it was one of those things where it should have been like between, like if this was kept to between like experienced, mature adults, it would have been like a dialogue of like A B or just or just the the one off A or right, you know, or like it'll be very quick and done. But it was like, oh, well, I think this, and I think that. Oh, well, this person, I can see this person. And it was just like, come on, what the hell is going on here, people? And then it started going on in, like, in like another chat room. So, like, oh there's a chat room for for uh, the chat rooms that I have open are for the trading, which is, like, specific just to trading ideas. And then there's, like... A level B chat room, right? Where there's like you can talk about anything. Oh, okay. You can have ask questions, and you can talk about if you want to talk about like Starbucks or tortillas or like broker question. You can talk about stock stuff too. But the one room, the primary room, is specific only to trade ideas. The sec and then the other room is secondary for anything else that you want to talk about. And so this was said in the primary room. You know, uh, you know. Oh, hey, so and so. Yada, 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 something that you can't do or something that is looked down upon or something that's just not a good idea, whatever, right? And uh, that person didn't respond, but then everyone else is – it was just – I don't know. How often do you find yourself in that type of scenario? Probably like – you're probably like maybe at church or something like that when you guys are trying to figure something out and everyone's talking and you're like the only person that feels like no – like this is completely pointless. Or it goes off the rails. Um so it's yeah, or goes it's off funny that you mentioned that because that was one of the things that I was going to talk about is that we had our okay. we had our first all clergy meeting of the year uh, for 2022 uh, this uh, like last Saturday, and there was I think there was like 18 people on there, which is a pretty high number because it was it was not mandatory or anything like that, but strongly encouraged just to hear what the state of the PCCI was and figure out you know just so that everyone was kind of on the same page with stuff and so you know it 
it starts off, and I always I always cringe when I hear the opening thing. So we don't have much business, so this should be a pretty short meeting. That's like the first sign that is like, this is not going to be a short meeting because, because it gets in the minds of people, oh, we don't have a lot in our agenda, so I can bring up some peripheral stuff and yes. start to, you know, maybe yes. maybe we can explore my own, you know, psychological Maybe trauma. we can spice up the meeting a little bit, get a little vocal, get a little more chill, and, and, a little more casual. Yeah, and I will say that um, the drama has gone down significantly uh, from uh, the departure, since the departure of our dear, beloved brother Cass. Um, even though, apparently, Joe posted on Facebook, like, right before the new year, that... Apparently, um, Bishop Cass and myself were in charge of um, Franciscan Order formation classes. And I'm like, oh, that's news to me. And I had only seen it because I logged onto Facebook. He hasn't talked to me about that at all. But anyway, that's beside the point. In the meeting, so we're going through, and we have had this issue in 2021 anyway of, like, revolving clergy. So people would quit, and then half of them would want to come back. And a lot of times it was just for drama and there was personal conflicts and stuff like that. And so the question, like the point of order was what should the process be to bring people back? So you know how this would end up going. Everyone just starts talking about their personal relationships of like what bothers them about other people and stuff like that. And <laughs> it's like it just uh, turns into a shit talking. It's like we're talking about procedural matters right now, and then because once once the ball gets rolling, once the room understands that the room has decided is it is acceptable to throw out a little bit of negativity, everyone else jumps on. Everyone else jumps on. Floodgates open, man, and it is anarchy. And dude, I mean, like there, I think that there was some miscommunication at several points of like, you know, there was somebody who said something like, "I'm I'm new to the I'm new to the PCCI, and I don't really know what's going on here." But from what it sounds like, and then someone else cuts in, "No, this is what it is," and it's like, "Well, no, I haven't finished my question yet." And so suddenly, like there's like the tension just rises again, like totally unnecessarily. Yeah totally off point too or it's like uh should this conversation be happening kind of and by the way these meetings are recorded as well and uh they are anyone can kind of request um from our our presiding bishop the the video from the this recorded hour and a half long meeting Mm -hmm. it's like oh my god what is going on right now i mean it's just like in moments like that i think to myself why am I even here? I mean, I there's literally I I think the only words that I said in that entire hour and a half meeting was "Good morning, how's everyone doing?" That's pretty much. That's it. why I don't like, dude. That is exactly why the person running the meeting is a hundred percent responsible because you have dumbasses who start talking, voicing their opinion, and they don't allow the chatter to or i'm sorry they allow the chatter to interrupt the presentation or the bullet points being said right and so it just continues it snowballs it gets bigger it gets bigger and then you're sitting there like oh my goodness the person who's running the meeting doesn't even have control of the meeting 
Like, if I have a meeting, it's like, no, hold all questions till the end. And if a person continues, like, clearly you cannot follow one simple instruction. You need to leave the meeting. Like, yeah. Efficiency. And that's what I loved about Lillian Daniel when she, like, when she was at First Congregational and I was doing several internships there. She knew how to manage a room. Like, it was like, okay, we're going to have... We're going to have five minutes at the beginning of our hour meeting for just catch-up, check-in, like what I call uh, – uh, what do I call it? It's um, a temperature check of just how everyone's feeling, how everyone's doing. And, like, this was the day after I'd gotten my booster shot, and so I'm just – I'm so groggy or whatever. I, but I normally – I mean, in, in most meetings that take place, especially Zoom meetings these days, I only say something if it has – something substantial to do with a procedural thing or something that somebody might have missed or something like that. Uh, it's not this kind of ex- external thing bringing stuff A quality in. add-on or clarification. Exactly. Yeah. No, straight to the point. And that's – and apparently uh, people in the PCC, although names names were not mentioned, um, I, I did hear that uh, – for some reason, I guess people were talking shit about me because I'm not more touchy feely. I knew it. I knew you were going to say that. I knew. I was like, please let this be about you. Please <laughs> let this be about you. And so I'm like, okay. I mean, I like, I don't care. So it's like, but it was just interesting to hear that um, because I'm not more like integrated into social media and commenting on everyone's posts and stuff like that. That some people have a sour taste, like. Who is who is this guy? You know, all we all we see him do is like worship stuff and and ministry stuff. He he he's never active on social media and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, cool. I mean, <laughs> that's not going to change. I'm sorry if right. that upsets you, but it's uh, yeah, yeah. It, it was it's just one of those things where even then I was just I was like I have nothing to say about that, so I didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those yeah. It's one of those where. You just have to, if that were to happen, like, in the middle of the meeting, it's like, you can defend yourself. You can say, like, oh, well, you, blah, 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 but it's better for everyone. You just hold your tongue. You just let them talk. And the real ones know who the real ones are, right? Real recognizes real. You don't need to, you don't need to talk to try and defend yourself or impress some lower life form. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> wow, that that's a pretty um that's a pretty hammer way to put it, man. No, cuz honestly, because it's like who are like who do you think you are that I need to explain myself to you? And you buying into that, you buying into that just adds fuel to the fire and you succumb to their control drama, whatever they do that attracts attention and energy to them. And then afterwards, you just feel depleted and tired. And what you really need to do is just hold your tongue. Then the people who need to know, the people who value you will value you. And the people who don't, you essentially know, okay, well, thank you. I know where not to put my energy. On a scale from 1 to 10, um, when it comes to personal attacks on you, whether you hear them through a friend or directed at your face, what is your reaction scale on a scale of like 1 to 10? In how um, how much like even if you don't say something, how much it like just bothers you like deep down, where you're thinking to yourself, mm, I just you know even if I don't say, I really want to just well, smack most of that the time, the, the mo- m- most of the time I would 
respond. So I would say whatever's on my mind. I wouldn't hold that like. But if like a friend, if I a friend came up to you and was like, "Hey, this other friend that you have is just talking shit about you all the time," like, are you somebody who would try and confront that person, or like, what what would your uh, kind of state of mind be? It depends on the scenario, because it's like, hey, if this person is always talking shit about you, it's like, okay, thank you for that information, and now I know that going into the next time I see that person, right? And so that's like, that's also like indirect evidence, right? And so you have that, and then maybe now you look at this relationship with this person through that lens, and then maybe through that lens, you're able to see little red flags along the way that you personally experience, as opposed to just going off of what somebody else said. Yeah. Have you ever had that happen, where somebody will say that somebody else was talking shit behind your back? No. I mean, the only experience I can remember is when I was working at Hollister, there was this other manager who was a little bit eclectic, but also very flamboyant and boisterous and just kind of out loud and talking all all the time. And he would just say the most random shit. And it's funny because he would talk shit about everyone. But then one of my friends, the other manager, was like, oh, yeah, and then he said this about you. I'm like, wait, 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 what? He's like, yeah, he was saying all this stuff about you. And I'm like, what? I never even did anything to him. Why is he, like, talking shit about me for? He's like, I don't know, dude. He just talks shit about everyone. And I'm like, dude, you're right. Like, he did, the whole time I'm hearing him talk shit about people, not expecting that he would talk shit about me, not even not even having that cross my mind. Because why would he? We're managers together. We're coworkers. We're cool with each other. And then to hear later, he's like, oh, yeah, he was saying this about you. I was, I was more surprised, and I was smiling, and I thought it was funny. Dude, I, like, it's the, it's the same thing for me, too, where it's, like, there's, there's a very small circle of people who I know, and then I'll hear, you know, and this was the same case when I was working in, as an associate minister in Downers Grove, is that people would come to me and say, this person doesn't like you or something like that, or is just talking shit about you. It's, like, I've never talked with them in my life. Like, how could they not like me? And so it was kind of a reverse situation where it's, like, people who kind of see you on the periphery form an opinion of you and start saying things and for me i am i am a person i feel like you're kind of this way too where character defects and yeah i mean you can you can deal with that you can take in people like kind of pointing out the obvious flaws of yourself at least i do right uh but when it comes to people who you don't even work with criticizing you about something that is totally irrelevant it's it's just the wildest thing. I I don't know. I mean, I would like to think that I don't do that. I don't think I do that. I just keep to myself. It's like, you know, you do you kind of thing. As long as you're as long as you're doing the job, getting the job done, you know, that's really all that matters. There's this time when I was uh working, any time that I've been criticized of my work at working at the grocery store, I'm always my response typically is like, Oh, fuck you guys. Fuck you guys. And I think I'm warranted in that response because when I was working at Aldi in Glen Ellen, I was a superior employee, right? Because I had great people that were working with me, other managers, and everything got done. Everything was efficient. Everyone went just a little bit extra and made it everything that much easier for everybody. Uh, and then I come to Aldi in Alhambra, 
and everything's a fucking mess. And they're like, yeah, Victor, you're, you know, the way you're closing the store is just not that great. You know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, oh, fuck you guys. Like, I know exactly what I'm doing, but I'm not putting in the energy because I know that it's going to be wasted energy. And, like, I can't fucking lift the whole store on my back. I rely on, you know, reliable employees to do their fucking job to make my job easier so everybody wins. Win, win. Win, 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 win. Everybody wins. You remember that office episode? No. It's like win, lose, win. <laughs> win, win, lose. <laughs> yeah, there's different combinations of all that. Anyway, then the same thing happens at like Sprouts where they're like telling me shit. And I'm just like, well, get your fucking store under control. Like I know what I'm doing to have a successful store. I'm not going to put in 90% of the work. Like I know what the equation is. I know how the formula works. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I feel like that is the perpetual thing. I think that pretty much anyone deals with. I know I feel feel that way with, like, the PCCI right now is that it's a lot of talk and no action. And it's like, okay, I'm going to feel more motivated to, like, do stuff for the denomination if there are other people who are showing similar commitment who I can partner with and, you know, hold, like, accountability partners in, in that progress, that right. is so important. Yeah. Yeah. Atmosphere, too. Because there's yeah. plenty of people who yeah. write off, no matter what, they will be a great employee. No matter what, there are people that will be shitty employees. And then you have the middle where it depends on their environment. They have the potential to grow and be awesome employees if they're surrounded by other awesome employees and awesome superiors. And when the people who run the store... Like, just don't give a shit. Everyone else can feel that and see it and have it with their own experience. And then they're not going to give a shit either. And so then it's just like, oh, my god, It's gosh. a cyclical effect, It's just man. a lose, lose, lose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's win, 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 and lose, 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 lose. Everyone wins. Everyone loses. It's a fine line. Man, it's, yeah. the Yeah, the ecosystem the vibe, the vibe of the, the working culture is so freaking important. Do you really think, though, that there, that there are people who are inherently going to always just be bad employees? Do you think that they're, they're just maybe looking for something, or do you think it's just a 100% fail? Like, sorry, like, you're going to suck at whatever you do, because that's just your I mean, perspective of life. I'll say this. For people who want to do better, they can always do better. But there's some people who just don't want to do better. They're just there. They don't. They're just going to do the bare minimum no matter what. Do you think that's but, a work environment? I mean, there's though? always room to grow. <laughs> Depends. Every. It's also it, all, a lot of it too has to do with the mind. It does. It really does. Yeah. Speaking speaking of the mind and motivation and stuff like that, uh, I will say today is my seven year anniversary. Oh wow! For being in Gamblers Anonymous, yeah. Congratulations! Thank you. Wow. Seven, Seven years. years. I knew it was January. I didn't remember when exactly. Yeah. So I was I was reflecting on that a little bit just today. I mean, it's it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Seven years. I've had five jobs in seven years, and still, I mean, you know, still I'm trying to piece my life back together. But I mean, things are so much better and just taking a day to reflect on that and, and be grateful. The fact that I have my family to, to support me in pretty much every aspect and to have such good friends too, um, has 
just been such a blessing. But it's one of those things where, you know, <laughs> trying to make yourself a better person, um, it's a much longer process than it may seem like because right. I'm still, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm still on that, that path of I'm, what is it? I'm, I'm a, ga a gambler in recovery. I'm not a recovered gambling addict, you know, is kind of the way that I look at it where there's still work to be done. But isn't for that, that stuff, no one's ever recovered. Aren't you just always in that? That's the mindset. You're just always in a state of recovery. That's that's what recovery programs kind of preach is that it's possible for anyone to relapse at any given point. And so the the whole process is you have to be constantly vigil and you have to be aware of kind of what's going on in your own life, triggers, et cetera, et cetera, support systems. Um, so yeah, it it's one of those things. And it, it is so interesting because I will be going to – it just so happens that my anniversary falls on the date of the GA meeting that I started at. And so get a chance to go back there and um, celebrate that with people who the core of that group have been in recovery for decades. Decades. Like I, and, and so it really is phenomenal. To, and that goes back to the whole support group thing is having people who – have that long-term experience of seeing people succeed, fail, blah, 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 um, be there for support, guidance, and just cautionary tales is kind of really cool. So, yeah, se seven years clean, and I still, I mean, no, no, I've had no desire to gamble in the past seven years since I entered recovery. So, That's yeah, awesome. it's it, Congratulations it's, it's on that. It's been a journey. Thank you. I just remember uh, – I just remember before you told me, <laughs> I can't remember what it was, but I was just like, "No, let's let's make a bet. Let's I'm gonna bet this. And these are the terms of the bet, and whatever it was." And like, you were like, "No, no, no," and I was like, "What? What? What? What?" I was just being very antagonistic without knowing that you had been, I think, like clean from gambling for like a few months or like maybe a year or something like that. I had like no idea. And then later I, and then later you told me, and then I thought about that event and I just was like laughing how funny that situation was <laughs> with me being so antagonistic about wanting to make a bet and not knowing that you were just like very new at not gambling. <laughs> right. Well, and that's, <laughs> It, that's been the we that has been the weirdest part of my whole recovery too, is like understanding what it is that because I mean remember when we were back in high school we played poker in Cooper's basement with just a bunch of us yeah. and like it yeah. was never like there was never that like gambling addiction so I mean it was it was certain types of gambling I think that made me weird but at that point in my recovery they're like no gambling whatsoever no you know no. March Madness, no right. stock right. markets, no anything like that. And so, uh, yeah. You got to make a clean break with the habit and before you can reassess anything. And that's the thing. It, 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 it's the question of, of, and this is what I kind of learned, even though kind of GA anyway has a very hard-lined approach to uh, what constitute, constitutes gambling. I mean, there, there is this whole list of things, any, anything that constitutes gambling – uh, you should not do, but in a recovery program, as you progress, you get to understand what it is that kind of triggers you when it comes to gambling and, you know, what 
sucks in your attention and focus to an unhealthy degree where you become reckless and stuff like that. It's like, okay, well, not all forms of what we would consider gambling is actually a trigger for compulsive gamblers. And so for me, it's been like, if you ask me that question today, like, you know, let's make a bet or something like that. I'd be like, sure. Yeah, whatever. I'm not going to obsess about it and stuff like it that. It has everything to do with your mindset. It has even everything. people who even people who quote unquote gamble on sporting events, like let's just say there's someone who gambles on NCAA basketball. Well, are they really gambling if that is either their primary source of income or if they can show that they are consistently profitable even though they may have even though they may suffer losses, just like with trading stocks. Even though they may suffer losses, even though some of those losses may be larger than what they anticipate, or even there may be isolated events where they get too emotional and they're gambling and they lose a bunch of money. But if over a course of time they can show consistent profitability, profitability, they have a formula or an edge that gives them the likelihood of gaining money. So therefore, it's not necessarily gambling. Where to the untrained eye, it is gambling. Exactly. But you understand once you go down that rabbit hole or once you understand whatever – game you're playing that it has everything to do with keeping your emotions under control and having the discipline to walk away whether you are up or down that is that is precisely it i think i think you summed up that, that up perfectly because when it, when it comes down to it man uh, yeah people people who have strategies when it comes to even like sports betting or um stock trades and stuff like that as long as you don't allow that emotion to get to overtake you and be like okay i just lost all the money that I made from the past two weeks, now I've got to try and supplement that by doubling it on a risky bet or something like that, uh, or a risky investment or whatever the case may be. It's like right. that, that's doubling down. Doubling down. Exactly. exactly. Do not double exactly. down. Do it's, not. There are times to double down when it is warranted based on your experience and knowledge <laughs> of how the game is working. But most of the time, it is not a good idea to double. There's down. a there's a psychological term actually that's called it's actually called the gambler's fallacy. It's a very interesting psychological concept, but it's very accurate when it comes to exactly what we're talking about. Is that the desire to to think that okay, so after a string of bad luck, it's got to end sometime. So you just keep escalating, 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 thinking. One of the one of these times, it's gonna it's gonna make me, and I'll I'll be back in the green or whatever the case may be. Yeah, right. yeah, it's a it's a slippery slope, and it's a pretty fucking wild ride <laughs> <laughs> when you like when you are when you are doing something that and all that too, whether it's cards or trading or betting on sports or whatever. Like, it's crazy because. Once you go through the fire, you realize, again, it goes back to your mind. It has nothing to do with the medium through which your money is traveling through. It has everything to do with your mind. It really does. And being able to, like, like let not, go, yeah. let go of the of the losses that we, <laughs> we've suffered. Yeah. It's so hard. It's so hard. I mean, well, and, and the thing, too, I mean, I will say, after even after seven years... Um, still when I watch a sports game or something like that, I'm always, I'm always curious as to what the spread is. So the, the, po- the, <laughs> the point margin in which the 
the team, the favored team, is projected to win. It's like, you know, and uh, what is it? Obviously, like, uh, we just finished with the whole college football, like, play uh, the, the bowl game season and stuff like that. And so... There were I, I actually uh, ended up watching most of the highlights of a lot of these games just because you know, it's I love college football and uh, am am kind of reclaiming that. But I would look down at a team that's favored to win by like thirteen and a half points, and then they lose by like twenty points. And it's like, man, if you took the money line on that, even putting in a hundred dollars, you'd you'd come out with like two thousand bucks, man. Like, it's, yeah. and so I, I don't know that that's always going to be ingrained in my mind, the mathematical component of it. But it's like, I thank God I, because back, back then when I was playing sports, I was like glued, glued to every moment of the game. It was, it was, I don't know if you've seen the mo- movie, uh, Adam Sandler's, uh, uncut gems. Yes. Bro. Yes. That literally is crazy. Is an insight into the mind of a compulsive gambler. When I I actually watched that like two days ago, um, rewatched it, and I was like, "Yeah, that was me, man." Like that was like you want to see the emotional swings are what are fucking crazy. You want to see the insanity, the insanity that somebody goes through when they're like their back is against the wall. And they are like, I just need one. I just need one big one. And it's so unnecessary. And you root for the guy, but it's like, dude, everything you're doing right now in life is so unnecessary. Just stop. Just chill out. Create a plan. You're doing fine just selling the jewelry. Like, you got famous people and athletes coming to you. Like, just chill the fuck out with the gambling. And you're rooting for him, right? But it's like... Fuck, dude. Is your life not good as it is? Like, chill, bro. Chill. And a lot of it, dude, is trying to hide (laughs) it, man. It's the hiding it that drives you insane. Running around all over the place. (laughs) No, no, you do this, you do that. The lying, the phone calls and text messages, having to be at three different places at one time, lying to people. Yeah, moving, shape-shifting. So much effort (laughs) to be a shape-shifter, and there's zero benefit. In the entire movie until the end, but it comes at a huge cost. Like <laughs> yeah, the, 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 an the biggest film. cost. Yeah. An amazing. Film. Yeah, yeah. The the scene that sticks out in my mind. Um, not that this ever happened to me, but I was just like, yeah, this kind of kind of is a representation. Is uh, when when the gangsters. It's in the middle of the film when the gangsters um, catch up with Sandler, strip him of his clothes, put him in the back of a trunk totally naked oh, right. yeah. and have and drive him to back to his apartment or something like that or i drive him somewhere i forget exactly what they like they drive around the parking lot and then they kick him out at the in the middle in the, of the yeah in the middle of the parking lot something like and that. so and that but they follow you the people you owe money to follow you to like family events and shit or like even even one of the guys is a family member it's such that movie is an experience it's like yeah it is just it sits with for, for, for wow. those who haven't watched Uncut Gems, man. Yeah. It, it I is... saw it in theaters when it came out, but I'm going to watch it again because I think it's on Netflix right now. Isn't uh, it? I think that's yeah. I, I think that's what I watched it on the other day. So yeah. it's yeah. I mean that really that encapsulates the mind of a compulsive gambler. Like, thank God it didn't for me get to that level, um, yeah. and it helped too. That because like for a lot of people in 
recovery programs who are compulsive gamblers, uh, they have much higher profiles than I did. I mean, I was a pretty high profile person. There were many news stories written about me, but, um, for people who have a lot more to lose, like family, uh, like kids and stuff like that, man, it's, there's it's a, crazy. There's an episode, or not an episode, there's a movie. I can't remember what the movie is called. It's with, uh, it's with Jessica Chastain, and she is working at, like, this underground poker, not really a club, it's like a meetup, and she's, like, the, the accountant or something, I don't, some, something like that. And ultimately, she, like, opens up her own thing and gets high-end customers and hosts these poker meetups in, like, super expensive hotels with high rollers and stuff, like, works her way up and everything. Anyway, there's a scene where one guy goes full tilt, and then one of the other player, and he, they don't let him play again because he's lost too much money. And then, but when then one of the other players loans him the money, and they're like, wait, how are you sitting at the table again? How are you back again? He's like, oh, well, so-and-so is loaning him the money. But the the guy loaning him the money that also plays cards is is sharking him and you know puts him on interest or a quote unquote plan where he's just in perpetual debt to this guy, and the dude you see the visual you see as the game progresses how this guy goes full tilt and just goes he goes completely mad he goes completely mad and it's like oh my goodness you don't even understand what's happening to you until the damage is already done. That is, I I think that's also an accurate description of Emotional what I went through. Hijacking. It was no, I mean, and for me, it was like that too. Total. And the only way to recognize when that is happening or when it's about to happen is to have already gone through it, right? Like the more, the deeper you go, the more the firmer grasp <laughs> you have on it. If you're able to like get yourself out of it, right? right? Or you or you go pretty deep, and then you're like, oh shit. And you you learn your lesson, you know, fewer times than not. So so the the one of the one of the things in our recovery book is um, the consequences of continued gambling, in the hopes that you can make make up for everything that you've lost. Um, there are there are three outcomes: prison, insanity, or death. And like, dude. I experienced two of those, and I was very close to the third. And uh, I'm I'm so grateful <laughs> that that I had like yeah. because I mean so many times you hear about like families disowning their compulsive gambler person or addict in general, you know, drug addict, alcoholic, whatever, just disowning them from the family, and they they no longer have any sort of support. It was only through like kindness and love that I was able to say, hey, okay, let me just get to the next day and that's why that's why our, our book is called a day at a time uh for our, our weekly readings for our meetings one day at a time for sure happy anniversary again seven years that concludes things on this episode of stream of thought until next time until next time <laughs>